you're looking for one of the most beautiful and playable custom acoustics on the planet, look no further than Ed Rice at Toeir Guitars. Ed is a true artist, transforming exotic woods into magnificent, sweet-sounding instruments. Go to toeirguitars.us, that's T-O-I-R-G-U-I-T-A-R-S.us, and contact Ed today. Hey everybody, Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash Recording, hit the support button, 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Recording podcast episode 134. What's up, Neil? What's up, man? I'm glad to be here. Dude. Second podcast this week. We're starting to put some in the bank for uh for a little vacation. Yeah. Dude, speaking of vacation, is kicking my ass. I'm working too hard. Yeah, you're working every day on your vacation. It's <laughs> ridiculous. We're gonna have some bullet tonight. We also have uh some great guests, and we'll oh, let yeah. you guys inter- introduce yourselves in a minute. But we've got TVLO uh with us tonight. But cheers before we get going cheers. here. Cheers. cheers. And once cheers. again, thank you to our cheers. bourbon supplier. Somebody cheers their microphone. Uh, that was that? me. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. I'll do it. Probably more of that. Okay, things are Thank you, Bullet Normal. Yeah. Bourbon. Mm-hmm. I'll drink yeah. to that. We love having bourbon lovers in on the podcast. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, why don't you guys just go around the table there and introduce yourselves to the listeners for us. Uh, my name's Dan Dillamarter, originally from Bowling Green, part south of here, and I uh, play guitar and write songs and sing. All right. Welcome, Dan. I'm Jonathan Schwartz, and I play drums. All right. I'm Greg Rockman, and I play the bass guitar and do some singing. And you got a rock and roll name, man. Greg Rockman. <laughs> Rockman. Rock, Can't beat that. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, we're glad you guys are here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't we start off... Uh, Kind of give us a little idea of uh, the origins of TVLO, and we'll also go back a little bit, maybe get a little bit of your history and music, maybe where it all started for you. Um, you know, with three of us, we can't probably can't hear your whole life history about music, <laughs> but uh, just let's start off with where T- TVLO came from. Dan and I started playing together probably about 12 or 13 years ago in a band called Blackberry Jam, which was formed from the parents of Bloom Elementary in order to raise some money to build (laughs) a a playground at the school. We just hit it off. And uh, that there were, it was Bloom Elementary. So when that announcement came about, nine bands were formed. A lot of talented (laughs) parents. (laughs) So we did this sort of mini festival at headliners and raised the money, but people really enjoyed playing in our band and people enjoyed listening to our band. So we continued to play. So that was how Dan and I started playing together. Um, and we've been playing together just about every week ever since then with a couple of gaps because he decided to move away from here f- from time to time. And Yeah. My- so did you guys know each other before the Bloom Elementary PTA or whatever it was? <laughs> no. No. No, that was, that was the inception of our relationship musically as well as just friends. And, and then, uh, you know, as Greg indicated, we, we just kind of hit it off. So every Thursday night, we'd get together pretty much for 13 years just picking a little guitar and you're drinking a little bourbon and chatting and man, I'm willing to bet that that's a uh, pretty unique band startup story. (laughs) Well, I I don't know. The the real kicker came later when, when some other friends of mine came along and said, Dan, you know, you're, you played college bands. We used to know you in college and you've been a hermit. Um, and we, you know, we see you every now and then you say, Oh, I'm still writing songs. And, why aren't you doing something with it? And so they kind of badgered me into putting a, a band together just as a project. And I was immediately like, holy smokes, Greg, help. And so <laughs> I said, I'll be your bass player. Yeah. <laughs> and so we started jamming and they, they, you know, had other bands and they were overcommitting and, and you know, how bands go. We all had a good time with it for a while. And then they had to go do other stuff. And Greg and I kept going and 
um, ended up with, uh, fortunately bringing John in for drums and, and it just suddenly gelled and solidified and we, we struggled to figure out the name. Yeah. Well, uh, prior to TV yellow, when we were playing these same songs, we were called golden ticket. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we were a five piece. And we had, really Wonka-esque. Yeah. We had really, really talented a guitar player playing lead guitar and a really talented keyboardist and a drummer who we'd been playing with for a while. But that sort of dissipated as happens, you know, the drummer exploded and the things happened to those people. So we were left with a gap. So Jonathan and I have known each other for quite a long I don't know. Probably how, about 13 years as well. Yeah. yeah. And so I was telling Jonathan this story. And having no idea, Jonathan's like, I play drums. I was like, of course you do. <laughs> Jonathan does everything. He's very talented. So you knew Jonathan, but you didn't know him as a drummer? Not at all. Okay. Um, he's talented in just about every aspect of anything you can imagine. One of those, One of those So yeah, it, so. it didn't, yeah. it wasn't weird like that. <laughs> that all of a sudden he could also play the drums to me. Yeah. <laughs> but he sat in with us and, you know, Dan and I were kind of side-eyeing each other like, Sam, this could work. This could yeah. be the guy. <laughs> yeah. So we just dived in. And then um, I, 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 I want to hand the mic back to you. But if you're going to ask about the name, I'll just tell you. Go ahead. Okay. So everybody's like, what does that stand for? And it doesn't, well, it doesn't stand for anything. It's um, it's not an acronym, in other words. No, it's okay. not an acronym. It, TV, like the television, and then the color yellow is a Gibson guitar color, an official color. Uh-huh. And so you can buy yourself a TV yellow guitar if you were so minded. And so TVLO is just a, a guitar nerd pun. It just is short for TV yellow, the color. And I don't even own a TV yellow guitar, but, <laughs> yeah. but not yet. But, but I'm also, you know, in, in prior lives, I was a sign maker and, 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 and did graphic design. So it's always nice when you get a logo that's just like characters you know you can do signage you can do merchandise it's easy to design around so i was like i had in my head it'd be cool to have something that was an acronym but this turned out to not even be an acronym but hey it's only four characters so, so it, is that your <laughs> is that your creation thing i think i proposed tv yellow I mean, we had a long list we were all throwing it, them in it there it was you it was me <laughs> we, we boiled it down and we all were like yeah that that works yeah good enough just don't look back so we've been tv yellow ever since pretty clever there dan oh well <laughs> so in, right before the pandemic started, I think is when we started playing 2019. Yeah. Like late 20. That's right. Cold outside, right? Um, yeah. And then we were, we were naughty during the pandemic in that we never missed a practice and we were all very careful. We we're all like working family people. So we were always wearing our masks, everyone being careful, but we, by God, we're going to show up every Thursday night in my basement studio and we were going to practice and take our masks off and blow bacteria around the room. <laughs> and, uh, and we kind of had that, I don't know, almost two years of pandemic to just hone our, be hermits and hone our, our stuff. And then we started playing out and the pandemic lifted. Now we've been playing gigs all over the place. And I can't be more surprised at this phase of my life because I was in college in bands. Yeah, And I never thought maybe at this point I'd get back into like really playing in a band. I was just going to have my little studio and write songs. But here we are. We're playing sometimes two, three times in a, or more in a month lately. And uh, it's just... Having a blast. Having a blast. Yeah. Yeah. So how old were you, Dan, when you originally started? You know, did you start as a child playing guitar? Uh, yeah, I tried several instruments throughout my childhood. And I'm always one of these people who comes in real hard and heavy on something and fizzles out and gets bored and has to go do something else. So I didn't really take off with any of them until guitar at age 12. And I just never looked back. That was it for me. And I've just been playing guitar ever since. It was like 46 years or so. Yeah. And then you played all through college. Where'd you go to school? I went to Western. And then, uh, well, actually, at first I went to Murray. And I dropped out and joined the Navy. And then I went to Western when I got out. I dropped out. <laughs> Did I mention I fizzle out on things? Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I don't really love it, I don't keep doing it. I just move on. Fuck it. But um, <laughs> My wife makes fun of me for that. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah. Up to this, this is the longest hobby I've ever stuck with. But usually right. I'm one of those guys that has a hobby for six months or a year, and then I'm done with it and ready to do something else. Well, sometimes you like to try a lot yeah. of things and taste a wide swath of life. And I'm like that too, so I can resonate there. But... Um, guitar and songwriting. I started writing poetry as a little kid, like second grade. I was like a little ribbon in the Kentucky State Fair for my little <laughs> poem. And so I've always been writing, fascinated with lyrics and words. And okay. um, find that poem. Maybe and we need to make a song of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Ribbon. Yeah. Did you so, know he was a fair champion? 
Did not. Kentucky <laughs> <laughs> State Fair ribbon, man. Every day I learned something new about Dan. 19, 1971 was a big year I, for I me. I tell you what, they, they didn't give participation ribbons back in 71. That's either. right, man. You no. had to really earn that, earn that, that second head. grade poem ribbon. You were a winner or a loser, and they probably said, hey, all the losers off the stage. That's right. <laughs> yeah, those days are gone. Old days like at the skating rink when you used to line up against oh, yeah. the wall and, Hell you yeah. know, girls pick and you sit there waiting for somebody yeah. to pick it to skate. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it happened, maybe it doesn't. That's exactly, man. We, yep, parallel lives there. Yeah, Bowling Green had the one and only skating rink. That's exactly how it worked. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so Jonathan... Man, kids couldn't take that type of rejection these days, man. They'd all have anxiety attacks and freaking... Oh, gosh. Hey, I was having anxiety attacks back then. It just we wasn't as fashionable. That's yeah, all. I mean, we all were. <laughs> we, we were all freaking out. We were just dealing with it. The only difference, they're, they're, they're taught to express themselves now. We were taught to suppress all that yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> the, the drugs oh, weren't yeah. as good back then either yeah, to help. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they wouldn't kill you. Right. Well, <laughs> you'd have to do a lot. I mean, these days, I don't even think you got to do a lot to kill you. Greg and Jonathan, do you guys have a history like that? Did you play through college and start young? And uh, yeah, I I just grew up kind of with piano and violin, and uh, uh, played around with the guitar. And then when it came time to come to middle school, I had to pick a instrument, and I chose drums because I I liked rock music, and that was the only instrument that fit within that that genre. And so I just did you know full on the band and the jazz band and all that stuff in middle school. And then in high school, marching band, freshman year of high school, I had my first rock band. And uh, then I was in, I was basically in probably five different bands in high school and did all the battle of the band stuff and the marching band and band camp, all those things. Yeah. And uh, you know, my career started as I was in high school and I uh, drums all through that. Yeah, I, I maintained playing out, playing, you know, being in different bands and uh, until I moved here, actually. So that I went to high school in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Um, backing up a little further, I grew up in Los Angeles and then I moved to Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Hang on, you got it. You got to at least mention what your dad did for a living. because That's okay. some good story shit right there. Well, yeah, back in early 80s, my dad, he was he's in the television industry and he ended up working in L.A. Yeah, in Los Angeles. Well, he started in New York, in New York City. In, porn. Uh, in I know 19, what you're he was in the porn industry. <laughs> well, no, no. You get it. Your dad was a male actor in the porn you're, industry. No, you're, you're totally right. But he started. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, he's, it, it's, a, it's a pretty incredible story. It's, uh, but he started in the 1950s doing live football television, like late 1950s. And then, oh, that's awesome. And then, you know, worked for all the major broadcasters doing television produ- production. And then moved to Los Angeles, and eventually Playboy wanted to do this late. <laughs> yeah, Playboy. Yeah, it always leads to porn, homie. Yeah, they wanted to do this like late night cable uh, gentleman show, like special stuff, and he was there. And you know, when I was born for the, like the first four or five years, and, I think uh, I might have been watching that with a spoon in the uh, yeah. cable box. <laughs> yeah, a little paper piece of paper that you'd bend and slide in the cable box. Oh, yeah. Dude. But yeah, it's a it's that's that's a whole nother story, but. Um, Couldn't tell if it was a mustache or seventies bush. Yeah, some, somehow Chapel Hill, and then you know went to middle school, high school. Where, where yeah, was well, I? I mean, how did he end up in Chapel Hill after that? Did he had like he, he's like I need to go somewhere wholesome as hell. Yeah. No, there was a there's a television uh, growth that happened in, okay. in the North Carolina that. Tax and it was credits. a better place for my uh, yeah, tax exactly credits, tax yeah. credits, yeah. 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 Better place to raise a child as my mom like wanted. Yeah, that, you know. Yeah. He said enough it, Playboy. It tr- definitely true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She said, "You know what? You've seen enough. That's enough yeah. Playboy. Yeah. Let's try something else." Yeah, I'll say when I was 23. So I'm I'm 37 now. When I was 23, I I moved here the first time, and I stopped playing drums and I only played guitar because you can't really travel in a car with drums, so. I didn't really, I wasn't in a ba- I was not in a band from the time I was 23 till, I guess, 35. Uh, like no two years, and then two Greg years, said, hey, you know. come over to my weird yeah. friend's house. And, and here we are. <laughs> I'm so yeah. glad I did. <laughs> and so I've, my skills, I think, are just kind of now, I'm above where I was uh, back then. But 
Yeah, and I, I am and too. I have a lot of wisdom. Like there's a lot of wisdom I've learned in that time where I wasn't playing yeah, drums. I did I don't just listening. I don't have that. <laughs> you know, still being a geek about technique. I still had drums. I still had the gear. I just wasn't in a band and it's not fun to play drums unless you're in so a band. So after you moved up here the first time and you didn't have drums and didn't play in a uh, didn't play drums in a band for that long. When was it that you actually had drums here or were around them again to start just, you know, beating around? Uh, I pretty much, it was probably, I pretty much always had drums near me. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Ex- except when I moved to New York and lived in, I went to the Culinary Institute of America and I lived in Hoboken. Uh, he's a chef also. Did we yeah. mention he can do literally everything? <laughs> literally nothing he can't do. Yeah. Chef, Executive AutoCAD, chef. I also took knife throwing as a, when I was a throwing. chef just so I'd be good in yeah. self-defense. Yeah. Astronaut. Yeah. He's done it all. Horn. <laughs> yeah. have, <laughs> have you ever played a, a kid's drum kit though? I, I've been assessing that situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I haven't, but I think if I put my kick pedal on it and oh it, yeah uh, you, you, you trust me it's beautiful yeah i think i'll be in good shape you're gonna yeah. have a lot of fun everybody loves to play that thing yeah we've had a yeah. had a six three grown man on that thing and he did fine yep his knees were <laughs> above the snare you can tell he's a little uh skittish about it when he referred to it as a situation but <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Well, the the first band that Dan and I were in, we had actually the lead singer of Satchel's Pawn Shop, David Knopfsinger, who's a tall man, but he and the singer in that band, but he played drums for us on a kit that size, yes, and it was did. just kind of part of the <laughs> shtick. Yeah, uh, and it was like twenty five people in this band. I feel like, well, there was a lot. There was a, a lot, lot of people. Zuzu. And there's yeah, Dave yeah. on this microscopic. We just played kit. with Zuzu. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. Yep. Love them. Anyway. Speaking of twenty five people in a band, yeah. They have it packed. Oliver, yeah. man. Yes, he's in that one too. So good. Oliver's everywhere. He's a sax man in that one. <laughs> oh, he's so good. Yeah. <laughs> do we do we have time for a little bit of his story? Because absolutely, no. we got yeah, the LA the boy story. here. We got the New York boy. I'm the country mouse. See, these guys are city slickers. Uh, yeah. Well, next time we'll get your story. Sorry. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. Please. <laughs> Uh, well, let's see. I was born Uh-oh. on Long Island. <laughs> All right. We're starting and at the very beginning. Long Island. <laughs> but notice I don't have the accent. No. But I no can turn on my dentalized T's and Z's if you need me to. <laughs> um, so I've always been singing. My, my parents were always doing community theater and my brother made me uh, audition for a play because he heard me sing all the time. So I did, and I got cast as the lead in Oliver when I was 11 years old. Wow. And at first curtain call, I came out, and 1,200 people stood up and started cheering and crapping. I'm like, this is... You were hooked. I was like, this is fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No shit. So I started to study, and I danced and sang and took acting classes and started professionally acting, not making any real money, but you know, started doing some stuff when I was about 13. And so I was in choirs all along and singing was really the main instrument that had kept my attention to the music piece. In the late uh, 80s, early 90s, I started to play bass guitar and sing in a band in New York City called Uncle. Did that. We did a couple of records. Um, prior to that, I was in lots and lots of bands, you know, as the singer, as the front guy with a high voice. And um, then you know, had family and didn't really do it at all and certainly didn't expect to be in bands again. And then Dan and I had this opportunity and it sort of lit the fire again, not too dissimilar to, I think, what Jonathan's story is. And then, yeah, I I can't believe that we're in an all-original rock (laughs) band playing out. And my kids are in anemic royalty. They're, you know, know, my kids are the singer's sons. The singer and the drummer are, are them. And, um, and so that's been happening in our house literally for 10 years. Well, you years. need to ask them why they haven't emailed us yet. They're yeah. 20-year-old numbskulls. <laughs> that is why. I mean, I tell them about this. I'm like, how come you've not been on one mic and you haven't done the podcast with these guys? They're like, I know we got to do it. Because if I remember, so, right, yeah. I think one of the one of the young ladies in Routine Caffeine Drummer. dates, dates yep. one of them. That's right. Yes, that's true. Yep. So we told, Tess. we told, Tess. Yeah, Tess. Tess. Yeah. So we told Tess, we'll tell them to email us. 
Nothing yet. She probably told him. And, I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, because she, she, uh, she was the mom of the group. She's very, she is. She's very put together. Yeah. She's got I her guarantee together. she told him. And yeah. then their, <laughs> their name came up again with... Uh, Blue maybe she speedball. Maybe full disclosure, maybe. Okay. I, I can't remember. Somebody, somebody they are all yeah. over town, man. Those guys yeah. can draw a crowd. They they are a sort of a big rock act. Yeah. Yeah. They're young, but they have got it figured out. And so, we're we're not that, but <laughs> no. but uh we do our thing and, and they've they've welcomed us and all their their friends of their age. They're all like Guys are oh, almost yeah. kind of cool for a dad band, <laughs> dad and, you know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we feel very welcomed and That's lucky awesome. to have the connection to the to the kids. Yeah. It's kind of the family connection. They started to do this festival um, called Sweater Fest, and then they did Sweat Fest. So they're going to do both of them every year. Hopefully, they've done one of each now, and they invited us to play uh, Sweat Fest. But we had a homework assignment. Because Tess says that we're like our, you know, year's version of the presidents of the United States oh, of America. Yeah. So they made us cover lump. Oh, which yeah. I think we didn't they were they did not want to do it. These two, oh, by yeah. the way. Uh, but I never actually said I didn't want to do it. That's you right. Just, you just I don't know think me. I did either. I, no. Yeah, no, you guys didn't want to do it, but we did do it. And we it was did. fine. Yeah, we pulled it off. Yeah. Everybody liked it. My yeah. daughter, who's very honest with me, uh, she's a painter. And okay. so I was a painting major in, at Western and she just finished her degree. Unlike awesome. me, I never finished my degree. She's but I've always, better. I know she is. <laughs> and I've always been very honest with her, you know, about her, you know, I try to coach her on. And so she's honest with me too. And if she didn't like it. She would have told me, but she said, no, oh, that was great. She didn't go as far as to say it was our best one. Which <laughs> made me very happy. <laughs> right. Dan, you didn't, you didn't mention the barbershop quartet. I did grow up uh, singing for 10 like intensive years with my dad um, in the the International Society of Barbershop Quartets and Choruses. We were competitive. We have trophies on the mantle. Oh, uh, wow. Four, four-part acapella harmony. Were you the tenor? I sang um, every part. I had a really, I had broader range when I was younger than I do now. I could still have a fairly good range, but I could go lower. And Well, I don't know. I could go higher then. I can't go as high now, but... I sang any part anybody needed and I could just whip out the harmonies. And I'd also grew up in church, singing church choirs and they didn't call it glee club, but it was something like that, you know, always singing, singing, singing. And so harmony is very second nature to me. My sister's a professional musician. I'm the black sheep who can't stick to anything, but she's like the real deal. So it does run in the family and yeah, the, the barbershopping, I'm sure affected my, my songwriting style and my singing style. I love harmonies. And uh, so very fortunate to have Greg who grew up singing harmony. We just match our voices up and we can kind of ring those, those intervals and chords and uh, that scratch that itch for the harmony that, that I grew uh, up with, you know? So I wonder if a barbershop quartet has trouble finding a bass voice, just like a band has trouble finding bass players. Yeah, dude. No, bam, bam. <laughs> do you know? Do you know? Actually, since you asked, the hard part, the hardest part, and the hardest one to get anybody to do because it's the hardest part is the baritone. So that's the not the lowest, but the next up. So he's in between oh, yeah. the lead mm-hmm. and the bass. And my dad, uh, who who passed away sadly, but but he was um, he was a baritone, and he always called it, and all the baritones call it the garbage part, meaning <laughs> it was all the notes that the tenor and the lead and the bass weren't going to sing, and it was whatever's left over. And so it was an odd part. It jumped up and down, had to dodge all around. Yeah, had to go all over the place. And so you had to be actually kind of a badass to sing baritone. And you had to lay back and be more supportive and fill in all those gaps that made it four parts instead of only three. And so barbershop's pretty fascinating. There's no instruments, man. There's no cover. There's nothing to hide behind. Mm-hmm. So that was really good training for 10 years. Um and I, you know, I count that as one of the very fortunate things that happened to me in my life musically to give me some background to lean huh. on. That's wild. Are there any other little known background stories we need? I have that- never done porn <laughs> right here. Yeah. I'm just saying. I no. haven't either. Well, still early. <laughs> still early in life, gentlemen. Jonathan's being quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you notice he didn't say a word. That's right. <laughs> Still waters run deep, guys. <laughs> when did uh, Greg? When did you move out of the uh, Northeast? So, um, when my wife also was a performer, and when we essentially quit because we liked to go on vacation and couldn't make enough money doing <laughs> that, um, we realized we didn't need to live in the center of the universe as we thought it was, and figured we'd move someplace normal. 
Instead, we moved here. I was going to say, <laughs> what the hell, Louisville, Kentucky? Right. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I grew up about 15 miles, 15 minutes away from Belmont. So I was very familiar with the horses. And um, as an actor, you try to get work at the Actors Theater of Louisville, particularly in the Humana Festival of New American Plays. And I, I could talk about that a lot, and I'm not going to because it'll make me mad. But we'll talk about it <laughs> off, offline. But anyway, so I knew about this town. And my buddy and I had a gig. I was a consultant, business consultant for a high-tech software um, firm that had a lot of government contracts. We were in Colorado Springs, and we drew the short straw. So we were driving back from Colorado Springs to where I lived in northern Westchester. The, the company uh, was in um, Ridgefield, Connecticut, very close to where I, I lived. And we both, he grew up on Long Island also. We said, let's drive 70 miles out of our way and go watch those two minutes that we've always wondered about. Huh. So my wife and I and our best friends, they each of us have two children. So all eight of us knew we were going to move. We knew we were going to move together. So in case we fucked it up, at least we had each other. Yeah. So we looked at a bunch of different places all over the country. And you know, over this course of time was probably a couple of years that we looked. So we came to Louisville to watch the 2006 Derby. And we found the last hotel room, a brand new Motel 6 in New Albany. <laughs> it had one bed. So me and my buddy had to sleep ass to foot. We <laughs> We parked there, shit showered and shaved, got back on the highway, and we're headed on 64, coming into town, and we thought we had missed the downtown exit, got off the Story Avenue exit, and headed west on Main Street, and then I saw the BBC right on Clay and Main, and I had had a pint of BBC on my way out to this thing in, I guess, Cincinnati. There was a layover there. I'm like, let's go here. So we got $250,000 of the highest-tech sort of security equipment in a bulletproof SUV. We pull right in there. I get out to the bar and I see I t see this guy across the bar. His name's Matt. What's Matt's last name? Gillis. Matt Gillis. Um, and I say, so I've got this car full of a lot of stuff. He's like, you'll be fine. It's derby. Nobody gives a shit. And so I said, do you got anything that's brewed near here? And he brings a couple of pints and puts them down in front of us. Says, this was brewed about 20 feet from here. Is that close enough? <laughs> and I was like, I like this place. This yeah. is going to work. <laughs> he was my first business partner in this town when we moved here. He was flipping houses. I wanted to do real estate when we moved here. So uh, I've known him ever since. And he gave us the itinerary for the next 36 hours. The first was go to Mayan Gypsy, it was called. So the oh, yeah. Mayan cafes. And we had dinner there. We did, were did you get the lima beans? We were blown away. Yeah. Of course we did. And, and we got the fish. And uh, we were like, what the fuck is happening? This place is incredible. <laughs> you know, New York snob. Mm. Still that. But I was blown away by this place. We followed that itinerary to the T. We had, you know, uh, mint juleps at the Brown we walked everywhere because we were from New York. We didn't realize you're supposed to drive. We, you know, drove down <laughs> Baxter on uh, what was Oaks night. It was packed. It took us an hour to get those two blocks. We did the Derby. We parked near that, um, whatever that chapel is that's close to the entrance there where you could pee, where you could get the tacos, where you could get them for 40 bucks. <laughs> and then we went and did the pre-feed dinner at Browning's. And my buddy, Andy, almost proposed to our waitress that night. <laughs> and I really like Louisville. Yeah. On our way out of town, uh, I called up my wife and I'm like, I know where we're moving to. And she says, you're crazy. I said, those are mutually exclusive facts. Right. <laughs> Doesn't have to be one or the other. So a month later we visited. They loved it. A year later we lived here. Oh, wow. That's cool. That yeah. is awesome. That was awesome. So who won the 2006 Derby? Do you remember? No. <laughs> it was a horse. Yeah. As I recall. Yeah. The it, was, it was the fastest horse. It was the fastest horse. It wasn't it was. yeah. the big brown one. It was, that was a couple of years after. I did go to the Derby every year for about four or five years in the infield. And then it became less interesting to go to the infield. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's fun for a few years. Then it gets expensive. And... Well, and it's always the same. So after yeah. a while, you're like, well, been there, done that. Yeah. Seen all that. Well, let's uh let's play a tune. Tell us about tumbleweed. Let's play that one. Tumbleweeds um, was one of those songs that actually lyrically had a few hazards for me because it didn't tell a um, it didn't have a lot of structure. It didn't tell a coherent story, 
But I, I finally figured out I was trying to do something like, uh, what's that Dylan song? We talked about that one time. Tangled Up in Blue, yeah, where, they're, that's right. where the, the, the couple, the, the, the man and the woman just can't seem to figure it out. Time goes by and they're never... Re- something underneath my breath as she studied the lines of my face. Yes. Yeah. I must admit I was a little uneasy when she bent down to tie the laces of my, my shoes. shoes. Yeah. So I, I'll never be Dylan, but I, I realized that that sort of pattern, that formula that he had so clearly and beautifully written was kind of what I was shooting for. So Tumbleweeds is that. It's uh, my effort to write a song about a couple people who just can't seem to quite figure it out. Okay. Let's check it out. I listen to that. I haven't listened to this in a while. We we recorded this deeper two years ago. We were very new. We had obviously solidified enough to be able to pull that off. But, um, <laughs> Shameless plug, we recorded it at La La, La, La Land La Studios. Land. Hey. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> did. Yeah. And it was an amazing experience in every way. And I've recorded in probably 15 studios over the years, but none is uh, well-equipped or, or, you know, big as that, but. Did Ann record you guys? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and I was about to say, Ann was the, she's, she's the, the ringer, man. You yeah. know, if you get in there and you get Ann's attention, um, you, you know, you're doing something. She seemed to really enjoy the music. That song now strikes me as like, I'm like, oh shit, it's so slow. Yeah. We play it much faster now. We, we, oh, okay. Well, quite oh, a bit really? faster. You know, not like Speed Demons, but you know how things change when you first record and, and, and you haven't sort of work hardened the song by playing it out like we now have many, many, many times. Uh, certain words are a little different, uh, yeah. but not nothing meaningful, but just the phrasings a little. And I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe how, to me, how different it is. You might mm-hmm. be like, man, it's the same song. But Were you the, in college, Dan, during the, uh, the uh, Athens, Georgia boom? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! You got me pegged. The the whole REM and the alt rock. That's right. And and it wasn't so much that I was in. I was in college the second time. So yes, <laughs> I had already graduated or uh, not graduated, but quit, and then gone through the Navy and gotten out. And so that was my second pass through well, college. Think, but yes, you think REM B fifty twos? You know, I right. kind of got that vibe as I was yeah. listening to it. Yeah, that was a big influence on me. Those are sort of my salad days in in bands in the Bowling Green scene, which um, you know how it goes in. Um, definitely in small towns and probably even in medium-sized towns like Louisville, there's, well, maybe in Louisville, there's always a music scene, but in, in Bowling Green, you get down to the size of a town where it waxes and wanes. It's a sine wave, you know? And I happen to, if you've ever heard of a band called Government Cheese, Mm -hmm. that was one of the biggest bands to ever come out until like recent times. We have Cage the Elephant and, you know, Mm -hmm. tremendous talent boils out of college towns, Mm -hmm. as we saw with, with Athens, Georgia and, and, and REM, obviously. But Bowling Green was no slouch at that time. We just happened to hit a peak. And, um, I lived with the bass player from Cheese and his brother and I had a band and we were doing pretty good and, you know, filling the, filling the little clubs. So, um, they were the kingpins, Cheese, but, there were four or five other bands that were all doing fairly well during that period. And then later you, you, when you go back 
and visit it six or eight years later and all the clubs you played in all turned into sports bars and fern bars and, mm. you, and there's no live music anywhere. And you realize, and then a few more years later, they're, they're booming again. You realize you were just dumb lucky mm-hmm. to be there at the time when it was peaking and there was a lot, it just happened to coincide. There was a lot of talent and a lot of bands and a lot of energy. love for a lot of energy. energy man. And now I look back at that. And I was like, oh my God, it's like a roll of the dice. I was so lucky to be there at that moment mm-hmm. and get to, get to, well, part of it, you know. It's wild that you say that about that time because Louisville's experiencing that way right now. I think I with, with the that. level, no doubt, with the <laughs> level of musicianship, the level of energy that uh, is surrounding original music. Mm-hmm. Uh, genres do not matter. Um, everybody, it's it's a super supportive community. But I like the wave is on its way up. It's I don't think it's cresting because you know I'm looking at like you know, the hot brown smackdowns and, and the, just these phenomenal, phenomenal groups um, that are continuing to get bigger. Tyler Hood. And, uh, Wombo. Wombo. I mean, it's just getting, it's getting crazy I, in, in a great way because, you know. You, Sunshine. I, Have you guys heard Sunshine yet? No. Oh mm-hmm. my God, you got to go check them out. Great. Of course, uh, Enoch Royalty. We can talk yeah. about them all day long, but <laughs> yeah, no, it, does, just, it, it doesn't it's, stop. It's, a, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it is wild. Uh, but I think that we, what we have that is amazing is we don't have the Nashville corporate feel. We have this complete original vibe. Now we're that, a hometown. That's exactly it, yeah. man. And even big cities have their waves, their cycles of, of boom and bust in musical talent and, and stuff happening. Uh, but the little towns do too. Yeah. And Bowling Green was like that for me. And, and, and I feel, I feel what you're saying, man. Louisville seems to be in the middle of, Rolling up on, on, yeah. on onto a big peak, yeah. and uh, once again, I'm like, woohoo! Roll the dice. Dan got to dive in and lucked out that that I'm part of that cycle. That you know? timing, so, man. Yeah, timing. You know, the, I was going to say something about Ann earlier, but it kind of goes to mm-hmm. even that point now. Is I can listen to a record from La La Land. No, it, it's number one. It's from La La Land. Number two, if it's from Ann or not, mm-hmm. and they never sound. They she doesn't have a sound. Right, you know, she's she, so flexible, man. She's super flexible, yeah. which which allows that creativity for groups to come in and, and feel themselves and do their vibe and the live stuff that you, that comes out of that studio. Um, you know, that is all part of creating that vibe and that tone for what comes out around the city and, and serving the song. That's yeah. where Anne comes yeah. from. She's like, "What does this song need in this genre?" In this, and so she's not going to make the same choices for us as she would for a hip hop group mm-hmm. she's recording or anyone else. She's so flexible and so thoughtful. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and, you know, she's, she's such a, a pleasure to work with her. Yeah, she she's is. An artist. She's a she, percussionist she, and drummer. So, she's amazing. Yeah. She yeah. comes from the point of absolute of that. And you know, when uh, you have the flexibility of going, I don't know what it is about this kit, but it's going to sound better with this mic or. You know, we have to do that here. We don't have as much choice. But, you know, there's certain times where we just pull the good mics and go, it just doesn't sound as good as this 57 sounds. Yeah. You know, we've Roll got with the money it. with yeah. in these other things, but you just can't beat a 57 in some situations. So, yeah, serving the song and, and just uh, knowing that, that, that you guys, you know, you mentioned how much you're playing original stuff now. And it's just, I think... Like you said, timing and luck and just being wild that you get a second chance to really kind yeah. of ride that. It's yeah. awesome. I, I never lose sight of that every single day. The, the the pleasure that we have attained, the three of us, and these blissful musical moments when we're, you know, on it. Mm-hmm. And and at this stage of my life, I'm 58, and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. It's just like a bolt from the blue. And you can yeah. tell, you know, you can tell in, in the way that you guys communicate, uh, communicate that, that it's true. It's, it's like, that's heartfelt. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you're, Absolutely. You are kind of like, holy shit, how did this happen? This is amazing. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're fucking dumbfounded. It's like yeah. a privilege. Yeah. yeah. Such a privilage. It really Thursdays is. are fucking sacred. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what? We never miss a practice. That's a huge <laughs> part of it. Thanks, when you thanks were to talking, our wives for yeah. Thursdays. No kidding. <laughs> All pass. You know, yeah. it is it's to have a schedule. That's the one thing. Brad had like a 47-piece band. I had a five-piece. <laughs> we can never get we could say, all right, Sundays is the day. All right, we'll do it. And then never happen. All right, every second Sunday never happened. So 
just to be able to hold that regular schedule oh, it's, it's and golden. hold yourself accountable to yep. each other. The, the important thing is everybody holding it because if yeah. one of you guys miss, yep. you know, it's tough to rehearse. Especially with a three-piece. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were, I was, I was pretty dedicated back like in... Like poor Greg. Back in the... Hold yeah, on, let's no. go ahead and hear it. No, we're... <laughs> there it is. Ah, thank you, Bullet. I mean, I was pretty dedicated back in the day, back in those in kind of Athens REM influence days. We were all very dedicated, but still, we were partying our asses off. We were young college kids. Now we're all, you know, dads and have kids and, and careers and mortgages. Uh, so I guess we That's have the recreational time. I, well, I was going to say an hour. Two hours is so much more valuable Th now. Three, but yeah, right. Three yeah. hours of saying, hey, <laughs> three hours on a Thursday mm -hmm. is you're taking time away from kids. Well, we Not are, but we're also we're also disciplined at this stage of our life. We're like, there's no debate with family or mm -hmm. friends or anybody. They all know like fuck off on Thursday night, you know, yeah. because yeah. we're very, very <laughs> serious and very busy. So I wasn't that serious Absolutely. about anything when I was 20, but, no. but now, you know, we value this so yeah. much. So we're dead serious about, you know, nose of the grindstone. Yeah. So Greg, what's your connection with La La Land? Okay. <clears throat> um, so when Kevin decided to move to Los Angeles, one of my business partners, who's also a close friend of mine, essentially texted me and said, we're buying La La Land. So I put together a group of investors and we didn't want this incredible community asset. Yes, Dan is now one of them, but not <laughs> one of the original ones, by no, the way. I had no, to like put him no, in a fucking headlock. No, he no, squeezed that shit right out of me, man. I can't believe my wife agreed to it, but yes, I'm an investor. <laughs> I think she was first. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, uh, we, we didn't want this community asset to end. It wasn't um, yeah. really a business decision. It's, a, it's this thing that this community needs, particularly because what you were just describing about sort of the, the, the volume, the quantity, and the quality of what's happening musically in town, genre agnostic. But also, what's happened historically, the, the musical history in this town is fucking crazy. Mm. Happy Birthday was written here. The very first commissioned orchestral work was done by the Louisville Orchestra. Bernstein gets the credit for it in New York, but it happened here. The is fucking right? jug band was invented here. Slint! <laughs> happened here <laughs> so all this shit has happened and it's been happening for a long long time and I wonder if there are things prior to the jug band and prior to happy birthday but this all happened there's something in the fucking water we know that because of the burden uh -huh. right yes. so yeah, I don't yeah. know what else I'll it drink is I'll that so anyway it was important to happen so um, you know the story goes something like you know, we wanted to see what the interest was. We knew it wasn't, you know, this money-making investment opportunity for anybody. So something like on a Tuesday, I invited like 100 people to be at this place on Friday. 88 people said they were going to show up. Most of them did. And when I said, who wants to put in a little bit of money to keep this thing going? Just about everybody raised their hands. Mm. Nice. So I will say, though, the, the sort of the, the, the cherry on top of the cake or maybe the meat of the matter, even though she's a vegan, <laughs> they're a vegan, was Anne. If it yeah, wasn't yeah. for Anne, we never would have been able to do it. No. Obviously, this beautiful thing was <laughs> built. But what's also kind of cool is there was sort of the group that was attached to it originally. And now the folks that go there now don't even know those people. But the quality and the, the, the vibrancy, vibe. well, the vibrancy and yeah, the vibe of the space, like what yeah. you feel like when you walk into that space, it feels like this is where I made this song. This is going to make me feel really comfortable to perform this song. Just so I, you know, oh, misty eyed. It's fucking a privilege. Yeah. yeah. Well, let yeah, me tell man. you, I'm going to tell on ourselves and tell an Ann story. Mm. So we had, we had her on a podcast and um, it was, it was like during one of those times where we had been open to have people in the studio for a while and then things were starting to shut down again for COVID. So we were going back to remote and it had been a while since we'd done remote. So we had her in and we were having great conversation. 25 minutes, wasn't it? 25 minutes. And Ann says, should this little thing on my screen say recording? <laughs> Yeah, no, she'll notice. Yeah, leave, it, leave it to Ann. Yeah, yeah. So, if you didn't God, figure it out, she, she will. So, yeah, what we did, so oh, what man. we do remote, you know, of course, we got we, we got to start our DAW like we do here. 
but we also got to start their side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we forgot to hit her side, and I was thinking, oh, oh hell, we just had 25 minutes of good awesome. conversation. I bet, I bet we, she fixed it and made it, went she, back. Yeah, we she, did it right. If she was frustrated or aggravated by it, no, you she did not never show it. Know. She just said, we we said, well, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to reschedule? She said, I got time. Let's just start and, over. And Godier <laughs> is the <laughs> coolest start, cucumber over. amongst the entire universe of cool cucumbers, man. She, yeah. she, so we'll never forget she that. She has Absolutely a plum and, and, and uh, presence of mind in the moment for everything to do with recording. And it is uh, so instructive mm. to be around her. If you just watch and listen and observe you don't even have to talk to pick up the vibe of, of quality of excellence of execution that Anne is putting out. I'll so, say something yeah. else that's pretty cool. So Glenn Johns recorded at Holland, which is kind of insane. Yeah. And Anne has, I think, worked with him more than one time. But during the session that I got to witness, he comes up to me because, you know, I'm essentially the suit, right? Comes to me and he says... This young woman is worth her weight in gold. <laughs> saying, <laughs> saying you're not paying her enough, and you yeah. probably can't. Yeah, you never <laughs> be. So when the dude that. who recorded the Beatles tells you that, you, yeah. you're all ears. You know? Yeah, yeah. So they have like a relationship. Yeah. Wow, wow, That's awesome. <laughs> I believe it. I mean, yeah. I believe it. Well, let's listen to another TVLO. Let's. Uh, I'm going to make sure I... Oh, I'm ready for you to do oh, this. This is a hard one. Come on, you can do it, man. Maropi and yeah. Sisyphus. Perfect. Perfect. Is, Tell us about that. Uh, all right. Maropi and Sisyphus was a song that I tossed off. And I rarely say that because I struggle. It's hard. Are um, you the primary songwriter? Yeah. He is the songwriter. Okay. And so um, it was... And, and I have my own home studio and I got a bunch of gear that I could never use anywhere close to as well as Anne can use gear, but, oh, but you know, I'm, it, it's, it's a decent little home studio and, and, um, and I pour my heart into it for whatever it's worth. So I'll do a demo, right? You guys Not, have to show up and look at it because yeah, this is ridiculous how I was describing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> More than this. I kind of got that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But anyway, I was, uh, I was record. I recorded a demo. And so I just kind of pocketed it. You know, usually I'm like, guys, guys, I wrote a song. Will you listen to it? And then I, Turn it up real loud, make them sit there and listen to it. But this one I kind of sidelined because I was like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. And I don't know, just I didn't take it seriously. And at some point, Greg listened to it and he's like, What the fuck is that, man? That's really cool. And I was like, Is it cool? I don't know because I, I'm too close should to it. You know, daughter. I should ask my daughter. She's got great taste. But, um, but you know, Greg was, you know, he's got great ears and great judgment. And I'm too close to the music. I can't always, you know, I fall in love with every song I write, even uh -huh. the shitty ones. So I'm thinking they're all good. And I know they're not all good, but I can't tell the difference. Greg said, no, that's cool. We should work it up. And, and it was, um, <laughs> I always loved Greek mythology growing up. And I never thought I'd try to write a rock and roll song around Greek mythology. But, you know, the challenge of lyric writing is like a puzzle. It's like a Rubik's cube. And I, I, I don't, play a lot of games, but a few grab me and then I, my OCD kicks in and I fix, figure it out. And so this one was just like every other piece of lyrical work. I had to figure it out. And so I tried to create this narrative where Merope, who turns out to be Sisyphus's wife at some point in the grand sweep of mythology, because they all marry and fuck each other <laughs> for thousands of years, you know, so at one point or another, everybody's married to everybody, but so it's not hard to find something to work with, but Merope was married to Sisyphus, and I always liked that, that when I knew, that's the guy who pushes the boulder up the hill, because Zeus condensed he into, trouble. he yeah. got in trouble with Zeus, and, and then it rolls down, and he has to push it up, and that's hell for Sisyphus, and Sisyphus, I read up on it, you know, go to Wikipedia, read all the mythology, because I didn't know so much, but he marries Merope, she's, yeah, she's one of the seven <laughs> sisters, the Pleiades in the sky, this constellation. Yeah. And she's actually a goddess, whereas Sisyphus, he was like a half-god, a demigod or whatever. And he was always trying to play it up and be the big guy. And I was like, oh, so it's got words in it like, you know, he's, uh, you know, he tries too hard. He's got his suits or silk suits and expensive cigars, you know, and his fast cars <laughs> or whatever. So I was just having fun with Those it. Those are not the words, by the way. Well, some, <laughs> some of them are the words, yeah. right? Anyway, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm a songwriter, man. I got to blow everything up bigger than it is. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so so she's she's like this chick who's a little bit vulnerable and gullible, and and for a minute, anyway, she falls for him, and her sisters are like loser. And so, honestly, that's it. That's the whole song. All it is is just it's like a snapshot of what we all see in life, where somebody falls for somebody else who's really kind of 
abusive or a loser, and then they figure it out and they dump them, and there you go. That's all you need for a song. But I decided to put some Greek mythology behind it, you know? Interesting. All right, here it is. (laughs) Tell us the title, Neil. Uh, Meropian Sisyphus. All right. Had to make him say it. I do dig that. Yeah. I tell you what, if there's not a college professor somewhere opening up their Greek mythology unit with that song, (laughs) it needs to happen. That's that's a great fucking idea. Uh (laughs) You know, my dad was a college professor in Bowling Green. And uh, like I said, he passed away, died young. And uh, that's the only regret I maybe ever have is we got to do all this cool shit. And because he also wrote songs, you know, you know what kind of songs he wrote. Barbershops. I was going to say that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. And that was how, a, that's a whole genre, he, man. How old was he when he passed? Um, I just surpassed him. He was mm. 50, oh, wow. he was fifty six, almost fifty seven, and I'm now fifty eight. So, so did you did you uh, did you ever did you think you would outlive him? I mean, was it always like I I'll die no, young? No, no, no. Fathers, of my dad fathers, or, and mothers are eternal, are they not? When you're a child, yeah. you think this shit lasts forever, you know. So I was devastated. I was twenty three when he died. Which you oh, think that's? Yeah. I mean. That's both super young, but it's also it's old enough to know the facts of life. But oh, I was yeah. I was wide eyed, like this cannot be happening. So, yeah. Yeah, Do you very, have any of difficult. his tunes? <laughs> you, <laughs> you better know, come on, man. I, I got yeah. He painstakingly because he wasn't trained, mm-hmm. you know, right? So he painstakingly plucked plunked out on the piano for like nine straight months, <laughs> like having a baby. 
he plunked out all these notes, not just the melody, of course, but all four all parts because it's a fucking barbershop. Wow. Quartet. And he had a great quartet and he, they were like winning a few trophies. And uh, I wasn't in his quartet. I was in like all the other quartets. So he's but like, anyway. nah, you're not at my level, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I turn one of those into a TVLO yeah, song. If you've right. got one of those, let's figure one of those seriously. out. Oh man. If you really knew how completely outdated and nerdy barbershop in music is, you wouldn't ask me well, to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I might, I might be able See, to here's, adapt. Here's it's everything never, no, I never, ever so, thought of that. Jonathan, yeah. do you sing? He does. Uh, all right, Don't so, say no. Yes. So here's what here's, he can do everything. Here's really. what That's we right. do. Yeah. Here's what you, here's a, uh, a an idea. You open it just like he wrote it, Ooh. acapella, and then completely switch it up with whatever your take is on it to change the melody line, change all that stuff, add music. But the don't but, be so rigid, Dan. Come on, Dan. Yeah, see me all hunkered down here, <laughs> like Dan, ch chugging my bourbon, like oh my god, I can't do it. <laughs> I think that's Dan, gotta happen. It's for gotta sure. happen. Don't let that drop. We'll work after something this. out. Yeah. we'll work something out. Yeah. Great. All right. Great discussion. Moving on. So, uh, <laughs> our listeners want to follow you guys a little uh, more closely. Where can they find you? What do you have out there now? So we have tvlo.band is our Instagram. Um, but we're on all the streaming services and we just did 12 basic tracks Ooh. in La La Land. Hey, hey. LaLaLandSound.com. Come work go. with Anne. Um, <laughs> and so we'll probably, we, and we did a little bit of work on three of those so far. So we'll probably be trickling those out over the next 12 months or so, I'm guessing. Nice. You know, Dan, I was thinking, so as you were talking, as you were understating your uh, studio I was thinking maybe sometime we can do a one shot at Dan's. Yes. Yeah. Bring it, guys. I yes. love that. We got to, yeah, yeah. It would be different um, if you wanted it to be different. I can put up one mic, but I, I do have like full kit, uh, you know, the full drum kit. The the multi-shot. Yeah. Multi-shot, not one shot. It could be multi-shot. <laughs> so maybe, maybe all, try a different format. Yeah. Yeah, we're all monitored via headphones in there and I am playing direct. Bass mm -hmm. is playing direct. His guitar is mic'd in, in another room and he's the only one that's full kit. So we've got those Vic Firth, you know, sort of sound isolation. isolation headphones. Yep. So we're all, you know, monitor just and it's not it's, it's not magic. ideal it's not ideal but the magic comes out because we're able to capture recordings every single yeah. thursday night that 100%. are quasi recording studio quality and we yeah. it's like game tapes i I, I do a cut down and upload it and the guys you know it's so they, do you grade jonathan and greg no, no, Lord, no. Well, yes. That's what they do. Of course he does. That's what they do. No, I mean, you know, you, you watch a game tape, you get your grade. You know, right? offensive I'm, tackle got to see. I'm all about positive reinforcement. So uh, when I say, guys, you really have to, like, not just fucking saying this, but you really have to download this latest one. <laughs> that means we were really on that night. I never say, guys, don't download the latest one. It sucks. I just don't upload it. There you go. <laughs> Positive Mark, reinforcement. That's yeah. right. Positive. Yeah, a little honey. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so we're gonna go. We're gonna go out with uh, Winona's "Delicate Dancing Fingers," which uh, I'm guessing is gonna be uh, it, it's gonna be a tribute to Winona Ryder's "Kleptomania." It is, it is not at all. Oh, that that is an excellent Close, guess. Though. There's it some elements of accuracy there, and you know, right? And maybe it's a maybe it's a subconscious thing. But I picked actually, I picked the name Winona because during my early years trying to find a career, which took quite a while, um, I moved to Nashville. I was working in quote unquote in the music biz, but. I, what I was doing was like spray painting the walls of Sunset Studios and like schlepping gear for, uh, you know, 1970s has-beens who are like going on tour, you know. And I met a lot of stars and I met, uh, the most important thing to me in that experience was I met some of the most amazing singers, songwriters, and musicians who were all cleaning toilets and painting walls and serving food. And I realized that I wasn't even half as good as them and they couldn't get a job doing anything other than cleaning toilets. So I decided to move on. I also met some studio people who were very interesting, but also kind of awful. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's what, like Hunter Thompson said, you know, the music industry is this long, dark trench full of, you know, sewage. And I thought, it's right. It's true. But, um, but I, I, I got to be part of this live TV special with Winona Judd. Winona mm. Judd. And it was very a very impactful experience because it sort of summed up 
all of the shit that's wrong about Nashville and also all of the sweet, heartbreaking pathos because Winona completely imploded behind the scenes. If you watch her TV special from 1990, whenever it was, you'll be like, wow, she did pretty good. Oh my God. There was like 19 takes where she was bursting into tears in front of the studio audience. Most of the people got up and left. The guy who was running it was clustering people so that it would still look on camera like they had people in the wow. studio. People oh, had driven really? from all over America to see their idol and she was falling apart. She just, she came out like three hours late and had Bette Midler do a, 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 a duet with her. And Bette, Bette, and yeah, she's the real deal, right? So Bette Midler's like making snarky, mean comments on camera to yeah, Winona like, about having yeah. been kept waiting in her trailer for three hours while oh, Winona yeah. imploded, yeah. which made Winona implode more. And I was like, this is the heart of Nashville right here. This is what it's really like. Uh, and so anyway, Winona was a name that just was drilled into my, and I also worked in screen printing at the time and I printed 14,000 Winona Judd t-shirts. And let me explain to you how much you get tired of somebody's face after uh -uh. 14,000 <laughs> full 14, color print. 000. Yeah, there's a lot of t-shirts. So anyway, I always... You but don't I, do that one at a time, do you? Oh my God, you do. Oh, but wow. let me tell you something. Um, Winona, I also love her. I love her music. I think she's an awesome person. So hopefully she's not listening to this as she's I not. resuscitate her, her, her bad moments. <laughs> I but, seriously doubt <laughs> she is. If you are, Winona, come is. on. You guys are really yeah, hitting yeah, a new go, level. Winona, right? come on. But, but anyway, th this song is about, I just I just started researching and figuring out what... Uh, yeah, We got there, people. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm a little bit of a circuitous talker. Sorry. Anyway, well, you the, said you never liked to finish anything. I just no, figured that's that true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you got me. You got me picked. Anyway, I started writing a song. Pretty soon, I figured out what it was about, which I'm always the last to know as I'm writing, and I don't really know what I'm trying to say. And it turned out to be about a circus and a guy who runs away to the circus, and he meets a girl, and he's completely smitten the minute he meets her because she starts shortchanging him. Because that's a thing in the, the circus and the carnival business. There's always somebody who sells you a ticket, and their job is literally to rob you. Because everybody's got a job on the shady side in, in the carnival and the circus business. It's traditional. They all steal from you. And I wanted to capture something about that. Anyway, falls in love. They go and go to the circus. And then they have children who become the, her delicate dancing fingers are dancing for a reason, guys. They're, he's, she's getting in your wallet if you're not careful. And all their little kids uh, okay. that they raise, watch out world because they too will... Uh, <laughs> you better watch out is the point of the story. So uh, I was I was somewhat yeah. You okay. were, you were no, 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 no. I got there. No, yes. no, no, no. You were somewhat nothing. You said why no stealing involved. It was in the back of my mind, clearly. Yeah, I had to be. But not I in thought the front you were mostly mind. right, by yeah. the way. Thank you, Are you Greg. kidding Thank me? You. After that story, you're going to say you were right, you right on it. I'm going to go ahead and say he was right. Don't I just agree? didn't know it. Oh, so come thank on, you. Man. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Now I know what I was really writing this song. It took this long to figure it out. Well, we really appreciate you guys talking with us. It's such a pleasure. We, yeah. we had the best time. You can tell, hopefully. we uh, This is a great conversation. Love what you're doing here. We appreciate the opportunity. All right, man. We're going to stick around and do some one-shots. And here we are going out Woo. with Winona's Delicate Dancing Fingers. Love can build a bridge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Face. 
Delicate. 